Hey guys, my name is Lisa M. Waring and this is Real Talk, a podcast where I discuss movies and TV more extensively and how art imitates life, imitates art. This week, I'm checking out the UK drama thriller, The Strays, not to be confused with the US 2023 adventure comedy, Strays. I heard it's good. We'll save that for another month. This movie was not what I was expecting. I almost didn't do it. Never judge a movie by its trailer. Wait, that's kind of what they want you to do, so never mind. Spoilers ahead. Let's get into it. We have a young woman named Cheryl who's sitting in a tiny apartment crying on the phone about how much she's struggling financially and how she's very unhappy with her lot in life. Her relative is basically like, hey, this is life. It is what it is. Thanks for the pep talk. Cheryl gets an idea. She packs her bags, leaves a note saying she's going to the hairdressers. On her way out the door, the phone rings. She lets it go to voicemail. A man with a kind of a scary tones voice comes on, telling her to pick up the phone. Kind of aggressive. I don't like it. But Cheryl's already gone. She's out the door. He didn't sound too pleasant anyway. It's years later, and we see a beautiful neighborhood with a luxurious home. Picture of Cheryl, now with a family, her husband Ian, and their two children, Sebastian and Mary. Cheryl is black, Ian is white, and the children are mixed. It's pertinent to the story, trust me. Cheryl is now going by the name Nevi. She wears wigs, practices how she talks, and gets her neighbors to contribute to her upcoming gala. My girl has leveled up. She meets up with a friend at a restaurant and they discuss the upcoming gala and arrangements. Out of the corner of her eye, she sees a black man in a hat who seems to be watching her. She looks again, he's gone. Nevi is driving and she sees the same black guy walking in her rear mirror. She gets distracted and crashes into another car. It's not too bad. It's minor. Some bumper to bumper, little action here. But there's no sign of the black guy. I mention this because this town has like no black people in it. Except for Nevi and her children. Nevi's children, they're like teenagers. Maybe 14, 15, that kind of thing. They're all sitting down to eat at dinner and Ian tells Nevi that he hired a new girl from out of town and she's black. Nevi kind of recoils at the mention of her being black. Like it's a problem. Her son Sebastian's like, what's the problem? We're black. Yeah, you are. What's your problem, Nevi? Nevi is fixing her wig and Ian tells her, I love your natural hair. You don't have to wear a wig. I guess Nevi just likes wearing wigs. Nothing wrong with that. Unless you're trying to hide who you are. That night, a package gets dropped off at the house. Nevi gets it, opens it, and it's a little blue toy car. She seems a little bit bothered by it. But that's all we get. It's the next day, and she's cleaning the house. Like, to perfection. Dusting and everything. Everything is perfect and in its perfect place. She gets herself all gussied up and takes the kids to their exclusive, expensive, private school, where she is the deputy mistress. I'm sorry, I mean the deputy headmistress. It still sounds weird. Like, she's like 
a department head. So my girl's making money, money. The faculty praises her for another great year and jokes about her missing references she still hasn't given. Nevi catches Sebastian talking to a janitor, a new hire, who's a black guy. Nevi seems bothered yet again and tells Sebastian not to talk to strangers. He looks at her confused. Strangers? What are you talking about? Look down the hall? You don't see anybody. Nevi is driving and scratching underneath her wig. That thing must be itchy because she do a lot of scratching. She sees a black girl standing on the side of the road looking at her as she drives by and almost gets into another accident. <laughs> Has it been that long, Nevi? You ain't seen black people? Let me just say this. Nevi herself is fair-skinned, which could be considered the term is passing. She's very fair-skinned, um, evidently black, but very fair-skinned. And she works hard to minimize her blackness. The question is, is it because of her running away from her past or her running away from herself? And are these two things different? Is she ashamed of what she's done? Or is she just ashamed of being black? Is it part of her just wanting to assimilate and leave all of her old world behind? Or is there an inner hatred for her she has for herself? A lot to think about. Nevi and Ian have a couple friends over and they're chatting about shooting the breeze when Nevi sees the black janitor standing outside her house and starts freaking out. What's that? At the window? Someone's there, can't you see? What are you talking about? Someone's coming! What is wrong with you tonight? Then the door opens and her daughter walks in, Mary, with her hair braided into some cornrows. A new hairstyle that Nevi hates. Sebastian had a basketball game, but he didn't get home until hours later worrying everybody more so Nevi, because ian's like ah he's a boy he's gonna do what boys do and be out boys get a lot of slack i mean i get where it comes from and you know there's much more fear of a girl being by herself than a boy but i mean let's not forget about our boys Nevi's freaking out she's insisting that there are people out there wanting to bring violence against them then in true teenager fashion in walks sebastian without a text a call or a care in the world oh it's not a big deal the disrespect bro navy basically like takes a shoe and starts hitting him she's a little thing i don't think she does a lot of damage but you know navy has a nightmare that night that the house is breaking apart Almost like someone's perfect little picture is breaking apart. Just saying. When she goes back to school, she's in the office talking to one of the administrators, trying to get the janitor fired. Really, Nevi? She's insisting that he's the one that gave her son cigarettes, even though she didn't see it actually happen. They don't want to fire him because it's going to look bad if you fired the black guy you just hired. Bruh. So they just reprimand him instead. It's the day of Nevi's charity ball and everyone's come out to their house where they're hosting the party. Everything's going awesome. Nevi's giving this wonderful, inspiring speech of helping the less unfortunate. 
destitute people who I'm pretty sure she was a part of at the beginning of this movie. Then she goes scratching her head again. Stop wearing these wigs, Nevi. Just stop. While the children's choir is singing, Nevi looks over and sees the janitor and the black girl she saw earlier on the side of the road standing, looking at her. And she freaks out, goes over to them and starts yelling about them not being there. They don't belong there. What kind of game is this? Everyone's looking at her like, what is going on? She's yelling at them how they turn up out of the blue and pollute the environment. Damn. Then the janitor and the girl both yell, mother. Okay, so plot twist. These are her children. Whom she left behind. This wasn't really the most shocking part. In a way, you can kind of see it coming. What threw me was the fact that they were real. Okay, because the way that this was being shot and portrayed, I thought the girl was losing her mind. I thought guilt was getting to her. I overestimated how much guilt she was capable of. More on that later. We jump back to five days earlier and you see the janitor whose name is Carl and the young black girl, Dion, driving in a car. In the passenger seat is an article that features Nevi and her family on the front page. Over the course of five days, they check into a hotel and find ways to insert themselves into Nevi's life. Carl gets a job at the school as a janitor. Dion is the black girl that Ian hired at his job. Then Carl befriends Sebastian and starts hanging out with him. Dion befriends Mary and starts hanging out with her. But they never let them know who they are. We return to the present where Dion is now the one yelling and freaking out. Carl has to drag her away. The party is over. The perfect facade has been removed. And now it's just Nevi, Ian, Sebastian, and Mary sitting in the house. The family demands some answers. I gotta be honest with you, Nevi didn't really win me over. If you guys can hear that, sorry about the sound. We are independently funded studio over here. <laughs> I'm not going to lie. She kind of pissed me off here. Um, so Nevi is basically saying that their father was a dangerous man. She had to get away. She had no choice. She didn't even want to have Dion. She was forced to have Dion. She saw her chance to get out and she left. Her family is shocked at her. How could you leave them? Nevi gets on Ian's case saying, hey, would you have wanted to be with me if I had two black children who weren't yours? Ouch, Nevi. You didn't even give Ian a chance. Maybe, maybe not. Now we'll never know. And she says she had to do it. Fathers do it all the time. This chick is pissing me off. I don't care who does it. Don't abandon your children. Fathers or mothers. She didn't even recognize them. She claims she didn't recognize them. So, Nevi is not a trusted source for me. This chick lied about her entire life. I don't trust her. She promises to explain everything to her family when she gets back. She meets up with Carl and Dion at a diner. She apologizes to them for leaving and then offers a $20,000 check if they'll go back to London where they can get on their feet. 
I'm sorry. Are you paying off your children so they'll go away? This lady, bro. They thank her and take the check and go. She returns home. Tells her family they decided to go back to London. Maybe later on they'll figure things out. But right now they need to focus on just the four of them. Mending and healing together. <sighs> Trying not to roll my eyes. So they kind of make up as a family and decide, yeah, we have to forge through. We're still a family. That night, Dion and Carl return back to the house dressed in all black. Oh, crap. They break in, check out the place, take everyone's phones while they're sleeping, make some toast. Like, I'm sorry. How was everyone in this house sleeping this deep? I get it. Some people are deep sleepers. But the entire family, though? They blast the TV, forcing the family to wake up, and they basically hold them hostage. And they force them to sing to Dion for her birthday. Nevi, you sent her away on her birthday, fam? Carl's angry. He makes Ian come into the garage with the whole gym set up and forces him to bench press until Ian's arms give out. Shame Ian seemed like a cool dude. Can I just say, they held this family hostage with no gun? Yeah, it's the UK, so no weapons, right? Um, I mean, they had a crowbar. And Carl was pretty strong, and, like, he punched Ian in the face. I mean, I guess when your children are there, it's, you know, you don't want them to get hurt, so you, you comply. So I'm not going to judge too harshly. I'm not going to judge at all, actually. I don't know what I would do. It's easy when it's just you saying, oh, I'm going to just fight, fight back. But if your children are there, they might get the brunt of what happens. So I get it. Meanwhile, the Uber Eats driver has arrived with their food. Yay. Nevi takes it and tells him to wait right there. She goes upstairs, grabs her wallet. She sees that Ian is no more. And she goes outside to give him his tip. Carl comes back in from the garage and he says, where's mom? And then they all hear the roar of the motorcycle from the Uber Eats driver start up and drive away. Nevi's four children stands in the hallway just looking at the door. Roll credits. Cheryl, Nevi, Whatever you want to call her, this chick ain't Sorry for the language. But this lady pissed me off. Okay, let me backtrack. This movie was interesting. I honestly thought I wasn't going to like it, but then it kind of won me over while pissing me off. And there are a few tonal shifts. You've got act one of this psychological minefield where you think this woman is losing her mind. Then act two, it turns into a drama about her abandoned children and act three is when you get your thriller when it becomes a very tense story of vengeance and finally you get a cliffhanger that has a slight comedic element to it as you realize she has abandoned her children two of which for the second time as a matter of fact when the four of them 
Carl, Dion, Mary, Sebastian are standing in the hallway listening to the engine and realizing their mother has deserted them again. The title of the movie really resonates right here. I know her name is Cheryl, but we've been calling her Nevi that I'm just going to probably using them interchangeably. So just roll with me. All around her, Nevi is reassured by her friends and colleagues that she belongs, that she's appreciated for who she is. When in reality, none of them know who she really is. Everything about her is cultivated and crafted carefully. You know, how she looks, how she talks, how she moves. Question is, would they have accepted her if she didn't work so hard to assimilate? Nevi is determined <laughs> to erase um, her old life and any appearance of blackness. She's extended this obsession to her children. Anything black is a no-go. Every time her daughter experiments with her hair, incorporating styles that are mainly worn or done by black women, her mother makes her wash it out. Her son, Sebastian, at the dinner table was talking about his missing little Wayne poster. Nevi doesn't even blink an eye. I think she threw it away. The white characters seem to be the opposite of Nevi, going out of their way to welcome cultural differences, at least on the surface level. When Carl was interviewing for the janitor job with one of the administrators, they bonded over sports. And the administrator says the only color that matters is the team color. Carl is laughing along with him, but it's very clear that it's fake. It's not genuine. Carl is not the being genuine. He is one of the beings fake. When Ian and Evie have their friends over, they are discussing an author who writes about the concept of white flight, which is basically when white people were um, flee the urban areas to come to the suburbs. Which you could argue is something that they have done. Nevi doesn't even participate in the conversation. She seems to hold no interest in discussing anything racial or black. The question is, are they truly as open as they seem to be? There's almost no melanin in that town. Is it just a matter of geographical coincidence? In the beginning of the movie, before she was Nevi, Cheryl is stressing on the phone, talking to relative about her hard life and smoking cigarettes. This makes sense later when it turns out Carl leads Sebastian into the wooded area and he was the one that did give him cigarettes and had him smoke. So, I guess she did have grounds to try to get him fired. The other thing that I missed on the first watch that I caught the second time is that when the blue toy car is delivered to Nevi, it is the same blue toy car that she uses in the beginning of the movie to post the note to the fridge. You know, the note that said that she was going to the hairdressers, basically going out for a cigarette and not returning. When Evie's talking to her family, she claims that Carl and Dion's dad was a dangerous man. In the beginning, when she was packing her bags to desert her family, basically, you see that she looks at a belt that is hanging on the back of the door. It can be implied here that she was with an abusive partner, especially with his tone when he left that message in the beginning of the movie. It was, it was aggressive, not loving at all. 
it's possible that belt was being used on her. Now, here's an interesting observation that I had. When Navy is upset with Sebastian for coming home hours late, she is grabbing a shoe and beating him with the shoe. So upset that he, like, she's worried. It's been hours. I wonder, is that a holdover from her previous life? What I mean is that was she only a recipient of abuse or was she also a giver? Carl and Dion, they mentioned to her that she wasn't innocent herself. So maybe she did things too. And it is evident that she does not hit Mary or Sebastian like that because even Ian seemed surprised by her outburst when she was hitting Sebastian. In the hotel, Dion is watching the animated cartoon version of Hansel and Gretel, which is very fitting since they themselves lost their parents one way or the other. At the diner when they meet up with Nevi, they tell her um, she left them and she, you know, she said, no, I, I left you with my aunt, your aunt. The aunt didn't want them. So she gave them up for adoption. They spent time in the system. And the thing about it is, Dion, the way she talks and moves at times leads to me believe that she went through some kind of trauma and it stunted her. Although her age isn't fully established, she's got to be at least 19. And sometimes she carries herself and acts like she's 14, which is probably why her and Mary were able to bond so quickly. She even mentions having to deal with meanies, which I'm guessing are bullies or worse. I'm very curious to know what happened after Nevi deserted all of them in that house. Did Carl and Dion take out their frustrations on Mary and Sebastian like they did with Ian? Or in some weird twist of fate, did they band together and vow to find their mother together and make her pay? Who knows? Let me know what you guys think in the comments. This movie was something else. Let's talk about it. If you enjoyed hanging out with me today, please hit that like button. Subscribe. Hit the notification bell so that you can be up to date on everything that's going on. We're also on Spotify, Amazon, iHeartRadio, and wherever you listen to your podcasts. Links are in the caption. Don't forget to check out the movie that you guys voted for next week. Later.